Thank you for listening to the Institute of World Politics podcast. To learn more about our graduate programs in national security, international affairs, and intelligence, or to support our work in educating future leaders, please visit www.iwp.edu. The inauguration provides an occasion to reflect on the Institute of World Politics, past, present, and future. But first, the round of thank yous is clearly in order. To our trustees and advisors who support IWP in so many ways, to include their wealth of practical wisdom and experience to help guide our school. To our faculty who educate and mentor our students in the arts of statecraft. To our staff who ensure the smooth day-to-day -day operations and add that special touch to big events, such as this ceremony, and of course, the gala later tonight. To our donors, without you, our school would grind to a halt, depriving our students and our great nation the benefits of an IWP education. To our alumni, who are doing great and wonderful things in their careers in the service of our country, while serving as de facto ambassadors for the school and mentors, in many cases, to our current students. To our current students, some of whom are here with us this afternoon, you represent the best hope to lead our great nation into the future. To my wife, Emily, for her steadfast support as my true love and life partner, and our children who inspire us daily. Finally, on this special occasion, I would like to express my deep gratitude to my colleague, John Lenchowski, for a smooth presidential transition. More broadly, I would like to highlight his immense achievement in creating and sustaining IWP for the past 31 years. His achievement is notable not only for its duration, but also its impact, especially with the network of supporters he has created. In his prior capacity as president, he served admirably as both the visionary and the driving force behind IWP's success for 31 years. Under his leadership, IWP made a unique contribution to the national security community, seeding our vast bureaucracy with graduates who are well-versed in the instruments of national power and the arts of statecraft. Please join me in a hearty round of applause for John Lenchowski. Today's ceremony marks a transition, but not a farewell, far from it. The good news for all of us here is that John will remain actively engaged in IWP in his new role as Chancellor. It is with gratitude and humility that I assume the position of President of the Institute of World Politics. I first heard about IWP more than two decades ago when I learned from some of my Marine Corps University colleagues that they were moonlighting at the stately brick red mansion in the heart of DC. Some of those colleagues are here tonight. The more I learned about IWP, the more impressed I became. IWP's clear mission, unique curriculum, scholar practitioner faculty, and ethos of selfless service distinguish it from other graduate schools. Until late last year, I had the honor and privilege of serving as a senior official in the Pentagon. While there, I was fortunate to have an IWP graduate work national defense strategy issues in my, for me in my office. 
which raised my favorable impression of a school even higher. So I was excited to apply when I heard late last year that IWP was searching for its next president. As with every generation, our students will be tested in the years ahead. The future is unknown and unknowable in any level of detail. That much is true. But the broad contours of evolving security challenges are nonetheless apparent. Rogue states like North Korea and Iran have adjusted to an array of international sanctions, all the while retaining a tight grip on power. Pyongyang has developed nuclear weapons. Tehran is menacingly close to doing so. Their malign behaviors risk escalation and regional wars. It is a safe bet that both will cause us problems for some time to come. International terrorism remains a threat, especially groups that possess the capacity and the intent to strike the United States and its allies. Since 9-11, we have become skilled in decapitating their leadership networks as a matter of routine, yet their Hydra-like ability to regenerate their leadership as well as rank and file remains a serious challenge. After many years of focusing largely on the threat of international terrorism, understandable in the aftermath of 9-11, the era of great power competition has come upon us, reminding us that tyranny comes in many flavors and imperialistic crony authoritarianism has emerged in Moscow. Its malevolent aims include bullying its neighbors, continuing to occupy territory in the Ukraine and Georgia, assassinating political opponents at home and abroad, attempting to divide the West with a focus on sowing tensions between the United States and its NATO allies, and more broadly seeding discord within democratic systems by propagating sophisticated misinformation and disinformation. These are all serious threats in their own right, worthy of continued attention and study, but the most serious threat to our national security, and one that will likely demand our attention for decades to come, lies further to the east. Which brings us to the People's Republic of China, the long-held and widely shared hope that China's economic growth growth that has been assisted by the United States and the West, that hope that it would spur political moderation has been thoroughly discredited. The Chinese Communist Party, CCP, maintains an iron grip on its political system. With an ambitious strongman at the helm and more than 90 million party members enforcing party discipline, the CCP is as strong as ever. China presents a growing multidimensional challenge and one that is likely to be multi-generational. Modern history provides examples of imperial powers threatening the global established order. So too does antiquity. Let us consider for a few minutes the situation in Greece in the summer of 480 BC as a point of comparison with our own circumstances. Then, as now, a powerful leader who believed his empire to be the center of the known world sought to right historical wrongs by expanding the sphere of influence. Xerxes, king of kings, sought to avenge his father's Darius humiliation at the Battle of Marathon in 490 BC, as well as earlier Ionian revolts with a second invasion of Greece. As part of China's great rejuvenation, President Xi Jinping has vowed to avenge China's century of humiliation 
at the hands of Western powers. Then, as now, a great leader made espionage a high priority, collecting intelligence on a vast scale. Relying on a robust network of human intelligence, the King of Kings had detailed knowledge of the often fractious, quarrelsome Greek city-states well prior to his invasion. Today, the PRC collects information and intelligence on a massive scale, combining human aggressive espionage efforts with modern technology to collect on its own citizens and assign them social credit scores. The PLC, PRC has also exploited personally identifiable information to collect data on us. And by us, I'm referring not just to our diplomats and our soldiers, but quite literally on us and millions of Americans, ordinary American citizens. Ben is now a great leader embarked on engineering feats to advance dreams of imperial conquest. Xerxes had slaves dig a great canal at the base of Mount Athos to prevent the surly Aegean seas from destroying his fleet as it had his father's fleet. Even more remarkably, Xerxes created a great pontoon bridge spanning the Hellespont, thus providing a direct invasion route for his troops to march from Asia into Europe. Today, the PRC is advancing ambitious engineering projects across multiple continents, not necessarily to conduct military operations, at least not anytime soon, but to further its political influence, often in a very coercive way. The PRC's Belt and Road Initiative is well known, linking not only Asia and Europe, but every continent with hubs and transportation routes. Then, as now, the superpower used a range of instruments to coerce compliant behavior among smaller, weaker powers. These included bribes and financial entrapments. Then, as now, a powerful leader strove to squash resistance within his vast empire. Before invading Greece, Xerxes pummeled rebellions in Greece and Babylon. Today, President Xi brooks no mercy with the beleaguered Uyghurs. His treatment there foreshadows what the Taiwanese will suffer if the PRC eventually seizes Taiwan by force. The checks that normally come with participatory democracy are absent in both cases. Then as now, a superpower exploited fissures within the West and sought to create new ones. In antiquity, Greece was not a unified state, but roughly 700 city-states that did share a common language and culture. Xerxes sought to exploit divisions among the squabbling Greeks, seeking to bribe city-states into compliance, and he had some success. Today, backed by its extraordinary wealth and wolf warrior diplomacy, PRC influence operations extend far and wide. They include efforts to sow divisions within the West and thereby induce more compliant behavior. Then, as now, the stakes could not be higher. If Xerxes' war machine has succeeded in subjugating Greece in the 5th century BC, it would have stultified Athens' cultural and philosophical development to the West's detriment. Greece would have had left a very different legacy to the Romans and a poorer one at that. Our Greco-Roman roots would have no doubt assumed a different caste. The PRC's attempt to do to displace the West, even if only partially successful,
will leave an indelible mark upon all our lives. My point here is not to propose an exact historical parallel, let alone to suggest that war with China is inevitable. One hopes that is not the case. But history is suggestive with respect to rising powers, challenging the existing global order, and even inexact parallels are worth pondering. In any event, our day-to-day -day competition with China is not a hypothetical concern. It is here and now. And the multifaceted nature of the China challenge demands a comprehensive response. Our chances of succeeding in this competition will be hamstrung in the absence of an integrated approach, one that is coordinated within our government and with like-minded allies and partners. Encouraging national security people to think outside their silos presents a challenge, especially for professionals who have spent most of their lives in such silos. That is why it's so important for us to focus on the next generation. Education is the key to their success, which in turn will rebound, redound to the benefit of our republic. Antiquity is instructive on this point as well. Athens and Sparta had contrasting educational systems to be sure, but they shared a common view of its importance. Both devoted great resources to the education of their youth, which paid dividends when Xerxes' vast army trudged into Greece bent upon conquest. The importance of education is timeless. With its emphasis on the arts of statecraft, IWP is uniquely positioned to produce students who are ethically well-grounded and intellectually well-prepared for whatever challenges may come their way. Which is why it is so important for our curriculum to continue its unique emphasis on the American political tradition and Western civilization. Our courses in this regard are foundational. They provide our students with an ethical frame of reference, the importance of which cannot be overstated. Once again, history provides some valuable instruction. Recall our founding fathers and their impressive educational backgrounds. Jefferson, Madison, Hamilton, Adams, for example, were intimately familiar with the canons of an antiquity, to include those of Virgil, Herodotus, Thucydides, Plato, Socrates, among others. It is no accident that the Federalist Papers are replete with insightful references to antiquity and different forms of representative government. Even George Washington, who had very little formal schooling and never attended college, was nonetheless very well read. He had amassed a library of over 900 volumes at the time of his death. His self-education covered a range of subjects. He had nearly four times as many books focused on politics, economics, and the law than he did have on texts of military affair, affairs. Washington knew well the value of such study. Writing in a 1785 letter to William Brown, a physician, that, quote, nothing is more of more importance than the education of youth, end quote. By drawing upon their deep knowledge of antiquity, our founding fathers were intellectually well-equipped for the Revolutionary War, the Constitutional Convention, and the governance of a fragile young republic. For their part, our students must be prepared for the security challenges of our time. An appreciation of our American political system as well as the canons of Western civilization is a central part 
of this preparation. IWP's foundation is strong. The challenge then is to build upon this foundation while remaining mission focused and preserving our ethos. We honor the work that has come before by building upon it. As president, I will prioritize two main institutional objectives. First, we must expand our donor base to promote the fiscal health and long-term stability of the institution. Second, we must increase the impact of our school, satisfy demand for our students, and further place it on a firm financial foundation. And to do this, we must increase our student enrollment. While it is certainly true that one student can make a difference, it is also true that quantity has a quality all its own. Like the blades of a scissors, both imperatives must work together, increasing the donor base, increasing enrollment. Increasing the size of our donor base will help keep, enable us to keep our uh, first-rate faculty and enable them to keep the curriculum up to date and relevant, thus making the institution more appealing to more students. And attracting more students in turn will raise the profile of the school, making it easier to attract donors in what is a truly virtuous cycle. These imperatives unite us in a common purpose. Educators touch the future. So too does everyone who supports IWP's noble mission. With courage, confidence, conviction, and commitment, let us together work to touch that future, to shape that future for our country's benefit. Thank you.